You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. I am Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Today, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. Um, particularly, we're going to start off with, with um, some news that's going to be a little disturbing. And then we're going to try and get into all good news after that. I've decided today is going to be the good news in April day. After we get after this past one little thing where the Biden administration argues again in front of the Supreme Court for warrantless seizure, home, warrantless home entry and gun seizures. He wants to be able to come into your house, seize your guns without a warrant. And he had his team go in front of the Supreme Court to argue this point. Now, this argument came about a, a, a year after Breonna Taylor's death, who was the drug dealing paramedic who was supposedly the victim of a no-knock warrant. But as it turns out, the police did knock. Even though they had a no-knock warrant, they chose not to exercise it. But he wants to just violate Fourth Amendment rights, come be able to march into your home or someone's home without a warrant and seize guns. So that would violate your Second Amendment rights as well. And the thing is, he wants to do this because of the new laws they're trying to pass. They think anybody who doesn't abide by their restrictive, anti-constitutional laws should be the subject of warrantless searches and automatic gun seizures. This is a complete violation of so many rights. It's not even, I can't begin to tell you how much of a violation this is. The Fourth Amendment was put in the Constitution to protect people from exactly this sort of thing. And he wants to argue that, oh, this doesn't violate that because uh, we're going after guns. Oh, so you're going to violate their Second Amendment rights. And because you're going to do that, you want to violate their Fourth Amendment rights as well. I don't know. It just, this is what it's coming to. Apparently, after his statement this past week, no amendments are absolute. Well, if that's the case, let's just ignore the 16th Amendment because I don't feel like paying income taxes anymore. If no, if the amendments aren't absolute, then I should absolutely not have to pay my income taxes. Of course, I probably will, or Joe Biden will execute a warrantless search on my house and try and steal the guns he thinks I have, which are actually in the bottom of a lake right now. But, you know, because we all know gun owners are the worst boat drivers. Oh, my God, we're awful. That's why we end up with so many boating accidents. But apparently, you know, this is something that is going to come down. I mean, I don't know how this is going to pan out. I've talked about this before because there was a case where a man and a wife were arguing when she supposedly told them they could search for things, and he said he, she did not say that, he didn't say that, and it was a huge mess. But just the fact that they could come in on a warrantless search and – check for guns and confiscate them is completely ridiculous. Now, the circumstances that led to that, I've talked about before, where officers have a right to go into a place where they see a need for assistance. If someone's passed out on the floor and non-responsive, they can go into the house and attempt to assist them. If they see a violent act taking place, they can go into the house without a warrant and attempt to stop it or see what the, see what the issue is at least. But now they want to use it and extend these powers to affect gun owners. And I think this is completely ridiculous. And hopefully this the Supreme Court will not rule in favor of this. I don't think they've ruled yet. And I don't know how this is going to turn out. But if any of the Supreme Court justices have an ounce of intelligence or 
any inkling of integrity to know they're supposed to be there to support and uphold the Constitution, then hopefully they will stand up and say, no, this this is not going to hold water. we got to let this go. You're going to have to get a warrant if you want to go perform a search. It's crazy. These politicians will sit there and swear on a, on a Bible in front of God and everybody that they are going to support and uphold the Constitution, defend it against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and then they turn around and lie right through their teeth, which there was somebody suing politicians in his state for perjury because they lied about supporting the Constitution. So this is something that could be an issue from here on out. Let's see how many politicians, if they're subject to prosecution, would stand there and swear that they're going to uphold the Constitution if they are prosecuted for it. That would be interesting to see. Okay, now we're going to try and get into mostly good news Good news in April. First, there's been a question posed to me, can you get arrested or can you get in trouble if you are a concealed weapons carrier and you're wearing a mask? Now, this is based on old laws, probably from the 1800s, where bandits used to wear masks. And now they're trying to some people are saying, well, you know, if you're wearing a mask, you're not supposed to be have, have a gun. That's the law in certain states. And, yes, it was true for bandits robbing people. If you wore a mask, you were considered a bad guy. But today, with the public health initiative, people wearing masks, masks are not doing so to hide their identity. They're doing so in order to help public safety efforts to uh, eradicate, you know, the coronavirus. So, it, you know, there are laws that they could construe to get people in trouble for this. But generally speaking, no law enforcement official is going to arrest you for wearing a mask if you're a concealed carrier. Unless, of course, you're doing something else stupid, waving the gun around in public or, or threatening somebody with it or discharging it within certain city limits or county limits without any good reason. So chances are, you know, this is one of those Internet myths that has been spread. Well, you know, in certain states you're not allowed to do this, and you cannot wear a mask while you're concealed carry. And a lot of these are in the concealed carry acts of certain states. So theoretically, you're not supposed to, in certain states, carry a weapon while wearing a mask. But because of the reason for the mask wearing, I think a lot of these states, a lot of these officials are going to let this go. It's not going to be an issue you're going to have to deal with. But then again... This would be an interesting test to see if the government would go to these extremes to try and stop people from wearing a mask, just like they have with the marijuana. A lot of these states have legalized marijuana for certain users, for licensed individuals, for people with, uh, I guess, permits or cards or whatever. Now, because marijuana is still a controlled substance, according to federal law, you cannot buy a gun if you answer your Form 4473 correctly being a marijuana user, even if it's legal in your state, it is still not legal by federal standards. So if you're a marijuana user of any type and you admit to it on your federal form, you will be denied purchase of a gun. So I could see them maybe in state or local levels asking, do you wear a mask when you go out in public? Oh, yes, I do. Then you will be denied a concealed carry permit because you're wearing a mask. You know, I don't think it would come to that. That would probably end up being a lawsuit. That would be really fun to watch the courtroom version of that. <laughs> that would be entertaining. So, Your Honor, I was wearing a mask for the promotion of public public health and safety, and they told me I couldn't get a concealed carry permit because I was wearing a mask. <laughs> so they 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 force you to wear it by mandate, and then they tell you they're going to take away your rights if you follow their mandate. So, but most of these are most of these are 
old because of the, like I say, it was to stop racism. It was to uh, stop KKK members from wearing masks and carrying guns. Or even back as far as the Old West, when bandits used to wear masks in order to perform robberies. And uh, they didn't want people wearing masks and having guns. So this is, you know, hopefully more modern times and more cool heads will prevail if anything like this ever comes up in front of a court of law. But I would like to see the arguments there. Oh, you were wearing a mask. You're not allowed to have a gun. And in some states where they're uh, what they call May issue, where they have to have a reason to give you a, a weapons permit, they may decide that wearing a mask is a reason why you don't get one. But so far, I haven't heard of any of this actually taking place. So, so far, as odd as it may seem, the politicians are seeming to be reasonable. Law enforcement seems to be reasonable about this, and they're not enforcing these archaic laws that may still be on the books. Okay, I have one more one more sad story. Actually, this is a lesson learned. This is actually an old story that's been floating around for a while, and I just ran across it again. I thought I'd bring it up. This is about a person in they were in the middle of an armed robbery in California can't remember what city it was but the city in California he was in the middle of an armed robbery he was a store owner and his son were working at the store and someone came in and tried to rob them he handed over his wallet his watch a few other things and the robber demanded more money so he goes over to the cash register pulls his weapon out and go and was going to fight back however he carried his weapon without a round in the chamber. So he had to rack the gun and get around in the chamber before he was able to fire on the bad guys. Unfortunately for him, he spent the last seconds of his life trying to rack his pistol before he got shot down and killed and his son was killed at the same time because the armed robbers had rounds in their chambers. So, you know, that's something that it's, you know, when you're under that kind of stress, don't put yourself in a situation that you're not extremely comfortable with. I mean, now I've seen guys draw a rack and fire a pistol in under one second. If you practice it and can do it, that's fine. But this guy pulled his gun and was trying to rack it, and apparently he was not very well trained in its use. He thought it would be safer to have the gun without a round in the chamber. Apparently, he was mistaken, and he paid for it with his, him and his son paid for it with their lives. So, you know, when seconds count, don't be fumbling around with your gun trying to figure out how to put a round in it. Because when you're under stress, your fine motor skills deteriorate. Your vision gets, can, you can get a bit of tunnel vision. You can lose some of your, some of your ability to think clearly. You want to have that weapon ready to go. And again, training is everything. If you're used to drawing that weapon and racking it at the same time, that's fine. But if you pull it out and have to fumble with getting the slide rack back to get around in the chamber, that's going to be seconds you don't have to risk if you're under the gun, pun intended. If someone's got you at gunpoint, you don't have time to rack your slide before you before you go start shooting somebody. That As soon as that gun makes an appearance, it needs to be active and ready to go. If you don't feel comfortable with this, then that's fine. I mean, don't do it, but just consider the consequences. Now, this guy, being that he was a, a convenience store owner or store owner, he was in a high-risk position anyway. If you work in a liquor store or a convenience store or a store that's uh, traditionally targeted by petty thieves, you probably need to have more training than most people. You need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to be able to look at people when they come in the door and just try and make a, a predisposition predisposed decision on whether they seem like they may be a threat or not and you have to be prepared and not having around in the chamber in this situation cost this man and his son their lives 
but the rest of us can learn from their mistakes. If you can, if you feel like you're in that situation or you feel like you may not have the time in a robbery situation, keep around in the chamber. If you want, have a gun with a safety. A safety is very easy to remove in a heat of battle, while racking a gun sometimes is not unless you train for it. And I've seen the guys train for it. I've seen guys who do drills just for this purpose. In fact, I've done some of these. Have someone else load your magazine for you, put a couple of dummy rounds in there, and when that dummy round strikes, see how fast you can react, tap the magazine, rack the slide, and get another shot out. That's something you should practice anyway, because if for some reason that first round doesn't go off in a semi-auto, it's there's going to be no issue. If you have a revolver, this is not a problem. Because you don't keep around under the hammer, that's fine. But then that first trigger pull, it's going to go off. If not, the second trigger pull. There's no thinking there. There's no skill set needed other than pulling the trigger. So be aware of that. If you don't feel like you want to carry one in the chamber, by all means, just carry a revolver or don't carry one at all if, it, if it's going to get you in a situation where you'll be eliminated if you're not doing the right thing. So, all right, we'll be right back after these messages. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Hello. My name is Colonel Retired Rick White, the United States Army veteran, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I would like to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. If you are a Georgia veteran, and the Georgia veteran's definition is you are either born in this state or you lived in the state 10 years or you raised your right hand and joined the military in the state of Georgia, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to your website at www.gmvhof.org or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. Nominations need to be in by the last Friday in August each year. Again, if you're a Georgia veteran or you're a friend or family member of a Georgia veteran, living or deceased, please consider nominating that veteran to this highly noble and rare Hall of Fame for our great state. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Hello, I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Now we're going to get into the good news. I did one segment of some some not as good news, but now we're going to get into the good news. LWRC, a company that's been making AR-styled weapons for a long time, has come out 
long-awaited. I think this was uh, publicized during the 2015 SHOT Show. It's finally available now. The LWRC Submachine Gun 45, Submachine Gun Pistol, which is now going to be available to civilian markets. They have started, I think, taking orders for military and police markets, and this is a 45 caliber submachine gun, so it's a little bigger than a lot of the 9s, like the HKs and the, um, the CZs and stuff like that. Some of the pistol caliber carbines that are out there. This is a 45, though, made by LWRC, and they are an excellent maker of firearms. They have been for a long time, and they've brought this thing out. And it is interesting because a lot of people consider the MP5 or the HK MP5 the standard by which all others are judged, and it's got its roller block delayed recoil system. And the reason why they do that, in case you don't know, is if you fire a weapon and the bolt opens too quickly, all the hot gas and the pressure from the round, if it gets, if it opens before the bullet leaves the barrel, you'll get all that pressure, hot gases and stuff coming back through the chamber, and you want to avoid that. So the idea, idea is to slow it down with a direct blowback system. They choose a heavier bolt, which moves slower, and the bullet leaves the barrel before the bolt opens up. The HK uses a lighter bolt, but it has these little rollers in there that will delay the opening of the breech until the bullet leaves the barrel. Now, LWRC did a little differently. They have a direct blowback design, but it has a short recoil action, which includes a moving barrel. So there's a little ring inside the bolt that holds on and has to be stepped down before it comes loose. So it delays it just enough to be able to get the bullet out of the barrel before the bolt opens. Normally they have to run a heavier bolt to do this with a blowback design, but they found another way to do it. The locking collar engages the top of the feed ramp and is pulled downward as the barrel moves. So it gives it just that couple of milliseconds to let the barrel leave the barrel, the bullet leave the barrel before it opens the chamber. So this is this is pretty innovative because this is not something that's I think's been done before. I'm not sure. I don't know the operation of all submachine guns ever produced. But uh, the controls on this are very similar to an AR-15. So if you have an AR-15 or you use it or train with it, this should be very intuitive in how to use it. And there's a paddle-style mag release in front of the trigger, and it uses AR-style fire control. So, you know, if you're used to using an AR, this would be a, an easy transition for you to get into the submachine gun market, especially with a 45 caliber. This is going to pack a lot more punch than some of the 9mm. Although I'm a huge fan of 9mm because you can always shoot more when it comes to 9mm, especially with the plus P ammo and stuff like that. An interesting thing about the gun also is it uses the HK UMP magazines. They figured, why spend technology and time trying to develop our own proprietary magazine when the HK UMP mag is already out there in force? It's already being produced by several different companies. Why not just use something that's already out there? You know, I probably would have gone with a Glock magazine personally because that's what the Chris Carbine, the Chris Carbine does that. It uses the, the Glock magazines. But, you know, the, the SMG is also, you know, it's a very specific weapon. And if you have it, you're probably going to get all the things you need specifically for it. So getting the UMP mag will probably be a little more expensive, but it's going to work. And now the one that comes to civilians is equipped with an SB tactical folding pistol brace. Now, the pistol brace may become may become an endangered species here soon. We don't know. But uh, it's a perfect um, subject to put a red dot on or even a low-powered variable optic, run something like that. 
and uh, the forty-five caliber just packs a little more punch than the nine millimeter. Now, being that it's LWRC, it's not going to be cheap. It's got an eight and a half inch barrel, weighs almost six pounds, five point nine pounds, fifteen and a quarter inches, and is twenty nine ninety five. That's right, two thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars. So it's a little pricey. But there's a lot of military and law enforcement units that consider LWRC a step above some of the, the less expensive options. And the fact that it uses the HKUMP mags, some law enforcement and military y- units are already using the HK. So it would be an easy transition. Keep your magazines and ammo and everything the same. Even if you're running both the weapons, the magazines would be the same in both of them. So that's something to look at if you're looking for a new pistol caliber carbine check out the new lwrc smg 45 now i think they're just releasing them to military and law enforcement right now but they've shown pictures of the civilian versions and they should be coming out shortly i don't have a date on this article to know when it was released but it's coming so you should be able to pick one up in stores not too long assuming you'll be able to buy guns after biden's finished uh violating violating our our second amendment rights hate to think he's going to violate any part of any of us but that's what joe biden does he swears to uphold the constitution and then he violates it okay in other news i don't know if you've heard remington arms had gone bankrupt they were sold off in various pieces and uh the the company that i don't know i think was vista sports or something like that owned several gun companies and they sold off a lot of them well the company that had purchased Remington Arms ammunition has started gearing up. They're making ammunition again. So you soon will be able to find Remington Arms ammunition in stores. They said they're operating 24-7. They're running shifts. They made an agreement with the United Mine Workers of America, which is who the union is in the, uh, I guess, the manufacturing plants. Now, they're in New York right now. However, they're talking about moving some of their plants to the Alabama base. So if they do that, they should be able to gear up even more, maybe run both plants. That would be ideal. Especially now with the price of ammunition, it should be very lucrative for them to run as much as they can. And the and the president came on, and the president of Remington Arms Ammo was on. I saw a video. He said they were all they're going to be running as fast as they can, as safely as they can. They will never sacrifice quality for quantity. They're going to try and gear up to get these people their ammunition. Now, the Remington Arms has been in business since 1816, so it's an old, old company. It's over 200 years old. And uh, it was bought by the Round Hill Group, and now they're going to start making this ammo, so hopefully you'll start seeing it on the shelves again, because the uh, ammunition supplies have been very sporadic, at least. So we'll see if this helps by pumping tons more ammo into the supply line. Maybe this will help catch things up. It seems amazing that any company could go bankrupt during these last couple of decades of ridiculous gun sales. But So look look on your shelves for Remington ammunition. It should be available shortly, and the president assures us he will not sacrifice quality for quantity, so you'll get good quality ammo, hopefully at a better price than you've been getting it at we'll see i figure the more suppliers there are the better the ammunition prices are going to get now we're going to go off to we're going to talk about president biden for a minute because there's something he did that was good he sent out stimulus checks and it turns out the biden stimulus checks have sparked a historic surge in gun sales especially (laughs) ar-15s 
So, if you get a stimulus check and spend it on guns, you are not alone. Apparently, this has driven uh, gun sales to ridiculously new highs. Last year, we had about 21 million gun sales in 12 months. This year, so far, let me see, I have numbers here somewhere. I think we're over 12 million gun sales for the first quarter, which means if that stays on track... Which it may not be quite that high, but we could stay on track for over 40 million gun sales this year. Now, what I want all you new gun owners to think about is defend your rights to keep your gun. Don't vote for the same idiots you were voting for before you were a gun owner. But we'll see. I mean, if Biden comes out with another stimulus check, it may spark even more gun sales. The fact that he's talking about taking the guns away and then handing out $1,400 to every man, woman, and child out there... That is just brilliant. Let's threaten to take their guns away and let them know we're going to give you some money here, so if you want to buy something, now would be the time to do it. It's just awesome. I love this stuff. Whenever uh, you get a stimulus check, people are going to buy stuff that it's just it's, – it's, they're going to buy stuff that they wouldn't normally get because this is found money for them. This is not stuff – that they're normally going to buy, especially if they're working and getting a steady paycheck. They get that extra $1,400 or $2,800 if you're a couple or more if you have kids. You know, you're going to go out there and you're going to buy something you probably wouldn't normally buy, but it is to help stimulate the economy, to help pay bills for people who have not been working full-time. So that's something that you're going to see a lot of now. And that, of course, is going to it's going to spark some shortages in guns. There's going to be some shortages in the gun market because now that people have all this money and they start buying guns, and especially the AR-15s. The AR-15s apparently are flying off the shelves because that seems to be the one weapon Biden keeps hammering after, keeps deciding he's going to try and take away. And that's the one that everyone wants to get because everyone, you tell somebody they can't have something, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to go out and get one. So everyone who's out there buying AR-15s, more power to you. Hope those stimulus checks go as far as I can. I'm going to run some quick numbers here. This is just January, February, and March of this year, of 2021. January, 4,317,804 sales. February, 3,442,777 sales. March, a record-breaking 4,691,738. That is the highest month ever recorded since they've been keeping records of background checks to indicate gun sales. Now, these numbers are not actual gun sales. These are the NICS checks. But one check can be used for multiple gun purchases. A lot of states have a requirement if you have a gun permit then you've already underground a background check you don't need to undergo another one so these numbers could be a little low also they don't include they these are just checks if someone was denied purchase of a gun for whatever reason that would be one that would be a negative in that column but overall for the first quarter 12 million 452,319 gun sales and like i said if this keeps up if that were to stay throughout the next nine months, we'd be at almost 48, over 48 million, 49 million gun sales this year alone. Now, I have a feeling once the stimulus, stimulus checks diminish and the money goes back to normal, these sales are going to drop down some. But while Biden is pounding for gun control and pushing harder than ever before, the gun sales are going to keep on going up. But don't be discouraged if you're trying to buy one for the first time. You know, this may be the last time you ever get one, so look into it. All right, I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded. We'll be right back after this on America's Web Radio. 
If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and we're back on America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about Biden's stimulus package stimulating gun sales. Now, this is just, to me, this is almost a slap in the face to him because he's trying so hard to limit your guns, limit your ammunition, keep you from having an AR-15, and just the very fact that he sends out money to all these people and they spend it on guns is phenomenal. So if you're one of those people who got a new gun with your stimulus package, congratulations. Hope you can soon find some ammo for it. Hopefully that supply line will start to fill up a little bit. But there's nothing wrong with exercising your Second Amendment rights with a stimulus check given to you by your government. So more more power to everybody who's done that. I personally would do the same. And I wouldn't say that I have because all my guns were lost in that horrific boating accident. But if I was going to buy new guns, I would do it with a stimulus check for sure. Okay, more good news for Good News April. West Virginia in the news this week. Their governor has just signed a bill. While, while California Democrats are trying to raise taxes on guns and ammunition to try and uh, discourage their purchasing, West Virginia has eliminated sales tax on all gun purchases. This is spectacular. That saved people around 6-7% on every gun purchase, so you no longer have to worry about sales tax on a gun in West Virginia. That is outstanding. This is the kind of thing we need to see more of from the states. They need to push back. They need to show that they're going to encourage people to be armed if they need to be. And this is exactly the way to do it. And I'm sure there's people out there whining and complaining, well, why don't you make food tax-free? Yeah, because food is not a guaranteed right in the Constitution. No bill in the Constitutions, there's no amendment that says, thou shalt have free food, or the government shall hand you free food. No, but there is one that says, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And putting a sales tax on guns, the West Virginia governor thought, was an infringement to people buying whatever kind of guns they wanted. So they have eliminated the state-level sales tax on all guns on all firearms and ammunition starting on July 1st. This is H.R. 2499 if you want to read about it. And I, I salute the governor of West Virginia for doing this. This is a fantastic way to try and push back a little bit against the, I would say, the communists, the socialists that are trying to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. Now, I understand you don't want criminals to have guns. I get it. I get that. 
But now, when it comes to law-abiding citizens, there should not be any infringements to their owning a weapon. And in West Virginia, there's one less, which is great. Okay, now we're going to go to Arizona for some more good news. Imagine that. Good news after good news after good news. This is, okay, Arizona has again, or is one of the states now that's coming out and saying, we are going to be a sanctuary city. We are not going to allow any of our local law enforcement agencies from implementing or assisting in the implementation of any of Biden's gun control agenda. So in Arizona, the federal officers will not be able to get assistance or help from any local agencies according to the law. The law will restrict the local agencies from assisting federal officers in enforcing any gun laws they think are not legal. And by constitutional rights, most gun laws are not legal, especially against law-abiding citizens. Now, if someone was a criminal, I guess they would offer assistance, especially if they were somebody that they were seeking anyway. But for law-abiding citizens to be prosecuted by the federal government for something as simple as having an arm brace on a pistol, which may eventually come down to being illegal, they seem to be going after two main things here. They're going after the pistol braces, and they're going after what's called ghost guns. Now, for those of you who don't know what a ghost gun is, it's a gun you manufacture at home yourself for your own personal use. You can do this out of almost anything. You could take a lead pipe or you could take a a steel pipe, put a hole in the back of it with a nail, put a 12-gauge shell in there, pound the nail, fire the gun. That's a firearm. That's legal to be made. In your, homemade guns are legal to possess. However, you cannot sell them to anybody unless they become registered and you put a serial number on them. But you may manufacture guns. However, there are limitations to this. You may not manufacture fully automatic guns. You cannot ma- manufacture anything with a rifle less than 16-inch barrel, a shotgun less than an 18-inch barrel. All the NFA rules will still apply to home manufactured guns. The only thing is you don't need to put a serial number on them. If you keep them for personal use and you're not allowed to sell them unless you register them and put a serial number on them. So this is something that they're going to probably start coming after. Now, if you're familiar with them, probably the two most popular ones are the AR-15s and the Glocks, the Glock pistols. Those are the two that are probably the most popular as far as building ghost guns out of because you can get a lower that's 80% complete, finish it out yourself, and you have an AR-15 with no numbers on it. Which is your right. As an American citizen, you can own this. You can have it as long as you don't sell it. So this is probably one of the things that has sparked the Arizona state law to say we don't want to help push. We're not going to help federal law enforcement officers enforce laws we don't believe are constitutional. And this is one that should be. I mean, the, the pistol brace has been out there since... Oh, God, I want to say 2012, I think, was when they first introduced it. SIG introduced a pistol brace that was developed by by a veteran who was confined to a wheelchair and I believe only had one arm. So in order for him to fire an AR-15, he needed a brace to wrap around his forearm to hold the gun more steady. It made it much easier for him to use it. So... These have been around for a while. There's over probably between 4 and 6 million of them in circulation so far, with hundreds more being sold every single day. So I can't wait to see them try and take this away. But in Arizona, you will not be getting local authorities helping federal officers take your gun rights away. So kudos to Arizona. However, I still think the very best sanctuary 
gun laws ever passed were in Missouri. Because in Missouri, not only do local law enforcement agencies are not allowed to help federal agents enforce the law, but if they find federal agents enforcing laws they do not believe are legal, the federal agents are subject to arrest by local authorities. Now, that is something I still am waiting to see happen. I want to see... I want to see federal officers at a standoff with local law enforcement officers and see how they work that out. Now, being that they're probably both professional law enforcement officers, I'm sure they're going to have a lot of discussion before anybody actually gets arrested or goes to jail. Hopefully the feds will stand down, go away, and not come back to Missouri again and say, you know what, we're not going to get into that with them again. We don't want to have a clash with the local law enforcement officers while we're trying to enforce federal gun laws, even if the federal gun laws are illegal unconstitutional and and frowned upon by the Missouri local and state law enforcement officers. So we'll have to see how that goes. But I would love to see a confrontation there and see that one go to court. I have a feeling, however, I have a bad feeling that the Supreme Court would probably rule in favor of the federal officers, just as they did in a Kansas City case where Kansas City had gun laws saying you could do what you wanted We don't believe the NFA rules are viable as long as it stays in the state of Kansas. Now, these guys ended up going to court. They got arrested. However, they got away with an $800 fine, which, if you're familiar with the NFA rules, usually the minimum fine is $10,000 and a minimum several years in prison. They got no prison time. They got an $800 fine, and they were let go. I don't know if their records were tarnished to where they can't own weapons anymore. I couldn't get any details on that. But that's going to be something we're going to have to come down to the point to see where people are going to start pushing back. Where are they going to start saying, no, this is wrong. You can't do this. This is illegal. It's against the Constitution. It can't be done. But you're doing it anyway. So, you know, they did the same thing during the the revolutionary period. The British came to America to soon-to-be American citizens said, give up your guns. You can't have these. We're the only ones who are supposed to have guns. They told him, they told them to get stuffed, and they started shooting at them. So that's how the Revolutionary War started. They wanted to take guns away and tax them without any vote, and they decided, you know what? No, we're not going to do this. We're not giving you our guns. We're not giving them up. We'll give them to you one musket ball at a time. And thus the Revolutionary War started, and a country was founded. One of the greatest countries to ever grace the earth was founded. However, there are politicians now who are trying to... I guess you would say, diminish the United States among other countries. They want us to be equal with everybody else. We're not equal. We're better than everybody else, in my humble opinion. Better for a reason, because we have freedom and opportunity. We have protected rights that the government cannot infringe upon or take away from us. But unfortunately, the government doesn't see this as a problem to take our rights away. They think it's okay. They think it's all right to stand there and go, oh, well, we're going to change the law. Even though the Constitution says we can't, we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to see how far you're going to let us push. So let's see. I'm curious to see. It's it's going to be a, a fight, and a lot of the states are standing up to the federal government. But ever since, I believe it was the 17th men- Amendment was gone, the states no longer have representation in Washington. The people vote for the senators and the congressmen. A long time ago, states sent two senators to represent states' rights. Now states have no rights. In fact, foreign countries sometimes have a lot more representation than states do in the United States. 
So we'll have to see how that comes out. But I hope these states keep pushing back. I certainly hope that people stand up. In fact, there was an article I just found by a young lady. I saw a picture of her, so I know she's a young lady. And this was about noncompliance. Now, when I tell you about any of this stuff, I'm not telling anybody to not be compliant with any laws. You're supposed to be, if you're a law-abiding citizen, you should abide by almost any laws. However, it seems as if the politicians are going to violate rights that have been clearly stated are basically non-violatable, but they're going to do it anyway. Shall not be infringed means exactly that. You shall not put any infringements to the American citizens keeping and bearing arms. Now, it seems as if a lot of Americans have already been non-compliant with a lot of gun laws that have been out there. You know, there are certain states that are pushing for magazine bans and for uh, gun bans. In some of these states, I think a lot of the people have just decided, you know what, I'm going to hold on to it as long as I don't do anything wrong with it. You're going to have to come find it. And it's funny because what's his name? Uh, Beto Francis O'Rourke says, oh, yeah, if we're able to pass mandatory buybacks and I'm able to sign it into the law, I fully expect Americans to turn in their AR-15s and AK-47s. Really? There have been over 20 million AR-15s sold in the last 20 years. In fact, in 2004, when they enacted the first crime bill or assault weapons ban, there were approximately, I want to say there was approximately 400,000 AR-15s in public hands. Now that number is up to 20 million. So you're going to go after 20 million Americans, or some Americans have more than one, you're going to go after millions of Americans, turn them into criminals overnight by forcing them to give up weapons that they have every right to own. Now, this probably vi- it violates the Second Amendment. If you're going into their house and searching illegally, it violates their Fourth Amendment rights. So it's just it's like the politicians don't care. They take an oath. They swear to enforce the con- to stand up for the Constitution, and then they turn around and go against it. Now, if you want to do this, let's start with the politicians. Let's get them to give up their armed bodyguards. Let's get them to give up their M16s, their fully automatic assault weapons. Because like I've said before, these are not assault weapons. Assault weapons are select fire. AR-15s are not select fire. They are semi-automatic weapons, just like a lot of shotguns, a lot of rifles, a lot of handguns. They operate the same way. Putting a pistol grip on a weapon does not turn it into an assault weapon. Just like putting racing stripes on your car does not turn it into a race car. Otherwise, half the people driving out there with modifications done to the car would be illegal because they're driving race cars on the street. We all know you can't do that. But making a cosmetic change does not change the functionality of a weapon. So, as far as O'Rourke goes... Uh, What did he say? Oh, mandatory buyback. Yeah, we'll be back for this in just a minute. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, Just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been my insurer for years in this hobby and have... The top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy 
or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about noncompliance. Now, this is something that Americans have been notorious for when it comes to gun and weapon bans because they realize, you know, I'm not a criminal. I'm not going to use my gun in an illegal way. I shouldn't be penalized for it. And we have a Second Amendment. We have a Second Amendment in our Constitution that defends my right to own a gun, a weapon an arm to arm myself now it's funny because even look at other countries where they do not have a second amendment right it is not part of their constitution and they still have trouble with non-compliance people are not usually willing to give up their means of self-defense or self-preservation in order to placate a government that is overreaching overstepping trying to accuse law-abiding citizens of what criminals are doing New Zealand is a perfect example. They had a shooting there, and the knee-jerk reaction was ban everything that's semi-automatic, ban everything that's that could be potentially dangerous. Oh, let's make some new laws. So they did this. They banned all semi-automatic weapons that were fed through a magazine, and even some of them that were fed through a tubular magazine. So you had to uh, you were subject to registration or. If it was illegal, you could register it. If it was not legal, you had to hand it in, get rid of it, subject to a buyback. Now, all these rifles were not registered prior to this, so they don't know who had them. So they had to estimate based on sales that there were roughly, I think they heard the number, 170,000 170, of these guns at the time the buyback started, and owners of these firearms were required to submit to a mandatory buyback. That's confiscation. That's all it is. They're taking your gun away. I don't know what they're going to give you for it. You know, they say a lot of it was part of the value. So they weren't even paying full price for these things. And as of now, this has gone, let's see, for two years now, this law has been in effect, and they have indicated they've got 57,000 of these firearms in. So that's over 110,000 of them are still out there not being handed in. Now, they've given some leeway or had forgiveness time periods where they're trying to tell these people, okay, we're going to give you another chance. We're going to let you do this again. No one's handing in their firearms. No one wants to get rid of them. It's insane that they think people are going to do that. And then on top of that, if you did hand your weapon in and you became part of this registry they had where you handed your weapon in, the New Zealand government 
fail to adequately protect gun owners' confidential information, including bank account details, because the money was directly deposited in their accounts, and an estimated 37,000 firearm owners had their personal data breached through the New Zealand government's official buyback program. Their website was hacked. So basically, you hand in your guns, or some of them, or whatever guns were considered illegal at the time, and then your information was hacked and released out into the public. So now any criminal knows, oh, this guy handed in some guns. He's probably got more. Uh, it's just ridiculous. So they they violate their security. They violate their rights for self-preservation, for defense of their their property, their home, their families. And then they they violate, you know, then, then they have a breach and they lose data. So it's an assault on liberty that New Zealanders had had fought against for a long time. In fact, there was one instance where a SWAT team stormed into a man's home over the possibility that he possessed a tubular magazine for a twenty-two long rifle lever-action gun. A twenty-two lever-action gun. They're going after him because it was one of the ones they considered a violation of their new gun laws. Yeah, it's, when you give politicians power, they take way too much. They overstep every time, and they're going to do this. They're going to do it here. They're going to do it in New Zealand. They're going to do it anywhere it's tried. It's just it's crazy that they think hand, weapons in civilian hands, law-abiding citizens, are going to pose a problem. So keep that in mind. They may be coming for this, but as far as most Americans are concerned, I don't think they're going to hand over things very readily. I think they did this in Connecticut too. They had uh, you had to get rid of all these magazines and all these guns that they determined all of a sudden were illegal. And they had you know several thousand of them show up, but they're estimated there's over 1.5 million of them in circulation up there, and only a few thousand of them have been handed in or registered as they're supposed to. The rest of everybody's just standing by, going, you know what? I'm not registering anything. I'm not giving anything up. These are mine. I bought them. I use them legally. You're not going to be able to take them away. And that's what it's going to take. I mean, if there's enough noncompliance, enough people stand up and say, no, this is not legal. This is not the way this country is supposed to be run. My Second Amendment rights are intact. They should not be violated or infringed upon. That's what it's going to take. People are going to have to stand together. They're going to have to stand up, defend their own rights. Otherwise... All that is required for evil to thrive is for good people to do nothing. So if you stand back and let it happen, you are complicit in the failure to enforce the laws in this country. And the politicians don't care because they will always have whatever guns they want to protect and defend themselves. Trust me, your politicians are not going without armed protection. They are not going without full-capacity magazines, assault weapons, whatever they want to defend themselves, that's what they're going to have. You, on the other hand, being a merely a mere peasant in their eyes, should not have access to these things. So keep that in mind. Do you want to be a peasant or do you want to be a citizen? You know, if you turn your, your guns in, you're giving up all your essential right to defend against tyranny. You know, no one gets into a boxcar voluntarily if they have a gun. It happened. It's happened in this in the just the very last century. It's happened. Genocide has happened, and all the rulers that will enforce a genocide took guns away first. So it kind of makes you wonder: What are these politicians planning? Where they want to take the guns away? What do they want us to endure without being able to fight back? 
I don't know. Think about that for a minute. And again, this is something I've talked about before. Local law enforcement officers are going to be a big play a big part in potentially enforcing these laws. Now, in some states, they may be all for it. California, New Jersey, New York, the local law enforcement may be all for disarming all the American citizens they possibly can. But in other states where freedom prevails and they realize they swore an oath to defend the Constitution and that's what they're going to do, they may be much, the law enforcement officers themselves may be much less complicit in abiding with these archaic and illegal federal laws. So we'll see. But Americans have had a history of non-compliance. I mean, that's how we founded this country. The British wanted us to hand our guns over. We said, mm, no, we're just going to shoot you instead. We're going to use our guns to defend our freedom. We're going to use our guns to defend our rights. And when the founding fathers came forward and put together the Constitution, they did not just come from a deer hunt. So don't tell me about, I need this many rounds to hunt. I need this many rounds to shoot birds or deer or hogs or whatever it happens to be. The Second Amendment is not about hunting. It is about defense against tyranny, against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That's one reason why the United States has probably never been invaded. Because anybody who's making a plan to come into the U.S. would know there's guns everywhere. That's why the Japanese never came to American soil. Because they said, you know what, there's a gun behind every blade of grass. And Americans, most of them, know how to use them. It'd be one of the largest standing armies in the world if all American citizens who own guns came forward and decided to fight for their country. So... When our country turns against you, though, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Right now, I can say vote. Get out there and vote. Vote for people who will defend your Second Amendment rights, because if you don't do it now, you may not have another chance, especially all you new gun owners. There was almost 8.5 million of them last year alone. Look at who you vote for. Look at where they stand. Look at how they want to take your rights away. You just purchased this brand-new weapon. You don't want to give it up. You don't want to give it away. Hopefully you're learning how to use it, learning how to defend your family, your home, yourself. Don't give up your right to self-defense. You know the politicians are not going to do it. So get out there and go take your stimulus money. Buy a gun. Be a gun owner. Be a responsible gun owner. If you have a handgun, get a permit if your state offers them to carry it. Even if you don't want to carry the gun, get the permit. It'll make you more legitimate as far as citizens go. Now, there are certain states that don't require any permit at all to carry a weapon. Constitutional carry is what they call that because the Constitution clearly states shall not be infringed. I just can't say that enough. But yet the politicians don't care. They take an oath and they don't care. So... Yeah, and it's funny because they say citizens are law-abiding, and we are. We, by far, gun-owning Americans, citizens, are probably some of the most law-abiding people you'll find. Because they know the laws. They look at the laws before they carry. They have to be better than the citizens that are not gun owners. They have to know the rules. They have to abide by the rules. and They have to stand up for the rules. However, when they change the rules and violate Basic human rights, the Bill of Rights, it's named the Bill of Rights for a reason. Even though it doesn't give you rights, it defends your rights. It says what the government cannot make laws 
to violate. They cannot have illegal search and seizure. They cannot come after you for exercising free speech or freedom of religion. They cannot come after you for owning a firearm, any kind of firearm. And there's a lot of talk now of revisiting the NFA Act, which is the National Firearms Act of 1934. This went into effect, and what it did was it made arbitrary limits on certain things that just, by today's standards, would seem ridiculous. Like, if I asked you, would you like a rifle with a 15-and-a-half-inch barrel? You'd say, sure, that sounds like a good idea. Oh, but that's illegal. But if it was a 16-inch barrel, it would be illegal. But 15-and-a-half inches is illegal. And you're thinking, well, why? That sounds stupid. It is stupid. And there's no logical reason for enforcing that kind of law. And these are laws that have been on the books since 1934. It's been, you know, what, a hundred and over 110 years already. Over almost a hundred, over a hundred and, do the math real quick, over a hundred years. These laws have been on the books. And to date, I think there have been three instances in over a hundred years where Actually, it's not 100 years. Anyway, there's going to be only three instances where someone has used an NFA item to commit a crime. Three instances since 1934. That is not anything to worry about. That is not anything to get excited about. That is not anything that should be at anybody's forefront. It's just the way they're talking about these things. They assume every law-abiding citizen is a potential criminal if they have a gun. But we are not criminals. We are law-abiding citizens. We are not slaves. We are not subjects. We are citizens. And citizens should control the government. They vote to put these guys in office. They are representatives. They're not rulers. They represent us, the people. We, the people, have control over who represents us. All right, that's all I got for today. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.